Hey, welcome to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. We have George and Todd. How are you guys doing? Hey, man. Yeah, man. Very good. good. Thanks for joining us back on our podcast. We're going to do just a super short intro, get straight into it. I think we've got quite a good, interesting episode today. Uh, we're talking about a whole load of things, and we'll just see how they all go. Um, but first off, thank you for tuning in to the Jesus Magnet. We really appreciate all of you listeners, um, you know, coming back and listening to what we have to say. Whoa. We pray, yeah, yeah that it... Uh, 2,000 of you who have... Yep, 2,000 so far. Nice, guys. As of as of the time of this recording. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We believe we're just doing what the Lord has asked us to do. And, um, you know, the, the only reason the Lord's asked us to do it is for people people to get reached um, and people to hear the Lord's heart and, uh, and and all the different testimonies that come onto this podcast as well. This is a discussion one. Uh, today we're talking about cherry-picking scripture. Um, I'm going to use a very simple one of a cherry-picked theology. So what cherry-picking means is when you... Um, go into the Word of God and you take out y- your favorite sort of scriptures to back your argument. And you don't look at the whole Word of God as one living thing, but you take pieces of it to create a theology that might conflict with other pieces of scripture. So one thing we want to do is we want to just make sure, like, how do you tell if something's been cherry-picked um, Correctly, and this is where this the spirit of discernment really comes in. When we're reading our word, we first off you want to pray and seek the Lord with um, all your heart on the matters that are within His Word, and He'll reveal and give you um, a bit of a a niggle in your spirit if something's kind of off. Um, but the yeah, what we're going to do is I'm just going to use a a really simple one, um, which I've heard a couple of people. Mm share before uh just a disclose a disclaimer um we're not teaching on this this is just an observation and also um this theology is one that you know take with a grain of salt as well um it's not something that we personally believe in um which is the theology that everybody is saved um so I'll cherry pick scripture on purpose so that we can see what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. So is everybody saved? Now, the scripture, um, if I just go to uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay. And then... If I fast forward to Romans 10 verse 9, it says, Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So essentially we've got one scripture saying that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. We've got another scripture saying that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Therefore, the premise is, is everybody saved or will everybody eventually become saved because the scripture says that all will bow, all will confess. And if that's the prerequisite of salvation, one plus one equals three. Yes, 
everybody was, is saved. Um, also, just to back this theology, um, in Second Corinthians five fifteen, uh, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So it says that Jesus died for all. He died for all sin. Um, so if all sin has been paid for on the cross, can people be convicted in judgment by the Father or, or the judge um, if everything's been paid for by Christ? So essentially me cherry-picking scripture makes a, a I'm using scripture, it's compelling, it's how do you argue with scripture, um, and by the way, I don't believe the theology, none of us do here, this, I believe. Yeah, this is just a, yeah, yeah, this is just an example of picking. So please don't listen to the first uh, five minutes and uh, 15 seconds of this podcast and be like, oh, we're all saved, who cares then, I'm going to go do what I want. So, George, I'm going to pass the baton to you. What's what's scripture that would be against or your thoughts on this theology? Oh, well, Joel, first of all, I think it's all about balance when it comes to understanding salvation and reading the Bible. Mm. So my kind of thing is like, well, I'm just going to let Genesis to Revelation unfold in my brain. Mm. And if someone comes to me with a, a, a topic or a or a question or a scripture and tries to build a theology or a doctrine around maybe one or two scriptures. Mm. I'm like, no, 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 hang on a second. That's, there's a whole lot of wisdom in the word of God mm. that, you know, 100%. just need to filter and process. Um, yeah. Cherry picking. I don't know. I think I've done it a little bit in the past and try to build. I think we a, all have a little bit, build a bit of a, Bit of a I want this in my life doctrine. Mm. Um, so this is how it is based off two or three scriptures. But um, yeah, I, I, I do think you need to just sift through everything. Um, but yeah, um, you know, the word of God's very clear about uh, about salvation. Um, although, mm. you know, it's, today still a lot of people will, will debate a whole bunch of stuff, especially on the whole predestination mm. thing and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Todd? Oh, for sure. Um, and and you hear it, people picking scripture out of nowhere to mm. make it sound like you're going to receive a lot of money, or yeah, um, or you just to make it work for you, essentially. It's like and, a, an agenda. Yeah, and we hate to say it, that there's a lot of churches out there that do preach mm. a gospel that is. Um, this is probably not this topic that we started off talking about, but we'll carry on and then we'll get back to where we're going. Um, people will use the word and preach it in a way that mm. it fits for everyone in their congregation. Mm. And for those preachers that are doing that, make sure you read your whole Bible because in there it does actually say mm. what will happen to those who teach. Yeah, it does. Yeah, false, false teachers. Yeah, yeah they're, they're held at a higher accountability, um, for for sure. And one thing that the Bible interprets the Bible. Yeah. So you don't interpret the Bible. You read the Bible as as a whole. So from beginning to end, you don't take little pieces of it mm. and try and create a doctrine. Mm. One thing that I was taught, and when when we did youth with the mission, 
was you look at the word and you might have a verse um, and then you look at the context of that verse in the chapter then you look at the uh, on who that's being taught to and then from there you walk you, you you zoom out a little bit and you just you practice the practice of of zooming in and then zooming out so knowing so you, you read the word and then you zoom out a little bit to the context of of that chapter and then the context of the book so who it's been written to and for and if it's applicable to you um for example is everything in the word literal no jesus says i am the door he doesn't have hinges or a handle <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, certain things are definitely made, you, you, you want to interpret them the right way. Mm. Um, for the heaven thing, um, it's definitely, definitely not uh, not true fully. Um, and, and there's lots and lots of verses that actually suggest against this. Um, for example, um, if we just go to, Second Corinthians two fifteen it says for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So obviously people are says there's people being saved and there's people not being mm-hmm. saved. And Luke eighteen uh sorry, Luke eight verse twelve, this one uh is really clear. Um, it's a parable about um, uh, seeds being put in different areas, ones on the road, on, on the gravel, in different soil. And it says, those on the road who have heard, the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So, yeah, the Bible says that everybody will eventually be saved, uh, everybody will eventually believe, but there is a time limit according to this because it's not just believing and being saved, it's believing while you're here on earth and and be- before death really, before before you have un... Uh, how, how do you explain that? Like, Yeah, so... <clears throat> we, I, I believe we we have X amount of days ordained to us, mm. and, and God knows the day we're born. God knows the day we die, and in that in that time frame is I believe opportunities for us to come to know Him, mm. and whether people choose to receive that gift of salvation or reject it, mm. you know, is is yeah, is definitely you know yeah. where it's at. So because I've been to church with um joe hillary on a number of times pre-salvation so i went one day they did a games night for youth mm. and then another one mm. i remember so clearly us sitting in the cafe at our church with our old pastors and um it was just essentially there was maybe six of us sitting around with them mm. i don't know if you remember this jeremy um jeremy was there it was with pastor tom and jocelyn and the pastor there turned to me and said, are you a Christian? And I said, no. And then I'm pretty sure he said to me, do, do you think you'll go to heaven? And I said, yeah, yes. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I said, well, because I, I think I do pretty good. Mm. I'm a good so man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a good guy. Surely, like, God sees my heart. And 
well, I didn't say these words because I didn't know the classic lingo for Christians and stuff. Yeah, I do good things and I'm not that bad of a person. Like, mm. I haven't robbed a bank. I haven't killed anyone. Yeah. Um, mm. And then Jeremy, who's just such a strong heart for God, said to me, what's your favorite Bible verse? <laughs> I just looked at him and said, oh, yeah, I don't really read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and, and that moment, looking back now, I was like, yeah, well, no, I wouldn't have gone to heaven back then because I haven't read the Bible, so I don't know what it says about salvation mm. for a start, so I don't, I wouldn't be saved. Yeah. I haven't had a relationship with God because I haven't read this Bible to understand it. So this is just like one part where I could have been like, right then and there, I've been like, oh, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe mm. maybe I should step into that, and but wasn't to be. Yeah. So God keeps trying again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard a, a really good analogy and story from a guy called Frank Turek, mm. and he explains it like this. He says, say you've got this girlfriend or a boyfriend, and um, you're in a relationship with this person, and um, you're sending, you, you, you love them to pieces. And they're giving you cards, ro- cars, cards, roses, chocolates, everything. And um, they turn around and they say to you, this is all lovely, but I only like you as a friend. Friend. The worst. That's the worst. Yeah. Or and can you please get away from me? I don't know you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those listening are like, yeah, he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> no, um, and okay, so let's say the person continues to love you and love you and love you and send you gifts and showers you with affection and and then one day he goes, you know what? I'm going to force you to love me. Can he do that? No, I no. think so. Because love, by definition, needs to be freely given. Mm. Now, heaven is just being with Jesus. It's the it's being in His presence, but out of out of a freely given choice. You can choose to be with Him, or you can choose to be without Him. Mm. Without Him, separation from Him is where hell is. It's just separation from all things good. Because Jesus yeah. says, "I am the standard of everything good." I am good, and all things that are good come from me. So if you remove Jesus, you've got all things that are not good. And that's when you describe hell, that's what mm. it sounds like. So if if you were, there's a guy called um, uh, Christopher Hitchens, famous atheist. He's He actually died, passed away. But he said to Frank Turek, heaven would be hell to me. Very interesting that he said that. Mm. He said, if heaven opened up, I wouldn't even walk through that door. So that's where Jesus comes from. And those being saved, it's a free choice. And he he loves you so much that he paid the price for you. Mm. But he's not going to love you. Well, he loves you so much that he'll let you go. If you don't want to be with him, He's not going to force you into his presence. He's not going to force you into his kingdom. And that's where I believe that the salvation issue is. Yes, all sin has been paid for, mm. but you still got to choose to be in that relationship with Christ. You can't 
be in a marriage without loving that person. The marriage is not going to work. So Jesus says, you know, I want you in this as my life partner, as my eternal partner. Mm. Um, and that's that's essentially where where Jesus stands. So I think with and I got lots of scripture to back up pretty much what I've been saying. Um, and we got scripture on like how to be saved. Um, for in Second Corinthians five twenty one. For he who made him knew, for he who made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Mm. That we might. That's a choice. We may or we may not. Um. So yeah, essentially, Jesus is like, look, I want you, and I died for you. Do you want me? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You got any thoughts on that, George? Yeah, I was just trying to think of where it in the Gospels where it says uh, Jesus said um, <clears throat> that. Actually, no, I've lost my train of thought on that one. But I have another scripture. <laughs> yes, go for it. Um, in relation to salvation, you know, people choosing or not choosing Christ. Mm. Um, Revelation 3 verse 5, and I'll just read that. It says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Mm. And there's many, many scriptures in here about this book called the book of life Mm. and whether our names are written in it or not or they're blotted out of it. Yeah. So there's there's this choice, yeah, where everyone... You know, because Jesus has given his life for every single man, yeah. woman, and child on this planet. Mm. But whether they choose to accept that salvation or not yeah, is is another story. Yeah. And um, in that second um, Corinthians, I was just reading it, and then you brought it up. as like, oh, perfect timing. Mm. Segue back into it. It says that um, whether we're in the church or at home, we must do what is pleasing to to Jesus because we will all eventually come before Jesus at the seat of judgment and that is the time when we will be judged upon whether or not I guess we knew him or not and with well sorry whether he knew us or not essentially mm. yeah absolutely the bible also talks about um when it's talking about being in covenant with your husband and with your wife mm. that um in the event that your husband or, or your partner is is uh choosing to leave you and is not um not saved uh it says let them go but it also says but do not um remarry because if your husband returns to you you would be married twice yeah. Now, if you take, if we put a spin on that, because everything is a forerunner for the bigger picture. So you got that. That's between us and our spouse, but that is to show us what it looks like between God and us, because we are in a marriage covenant with God, uh, where He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. So we can use the teachings that He does on marriage with the teachings surrounding our relationship that's going to be with Him. So when Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that's exactly what's happening there. 
that's what I explained before. If we leave him, he will always leave that door open. Yeah. For us to return to him, he's never going to shut the door and be like, nah, that's enough. Um, I'm divorcing you. Because divorce is a man-made um, thing mm. where uh, marriage is a God-made thing. So there's covenant and there's contract. So things that are contracts are man-made and they can be broken and they can be changed. Covenants that are God-made, which are marriages, are eternal. Yeah. And when God says, I'm not going to leave you and this is my covenant because it's a marriage covenant, then then he really won't. Yeah. And no matter how far we go, he'll leave that door open um, and keep essentially God saying, you can you will stuff up over and over and over again because you're not perfect, but I am. Mm. So I will always be here for you. Um, and it's a beautiful thing, really. Really, it, it absolutely is. So salvation is something that can be lost by choice when yeah. you're actually saying what Christopher Hitchens said, I don't want to be with yeah. you. Yes, I'm leaving you. It's not that God's leaving you; it's yeah. you're leaving God. Yeah. Um. That's personally, um, is how I view salvation. It can be lost by choice. Yeah. That person is fully aware what they're losing, and they might be angry with God for whatever reason or things like that. Yeah. But it's never ever like a mistake. Mm. It's like George was saying. There's there's a time frame that God's given us. Yeah. And that time frame is between when he died, but Jesus died on that cross till whenever he's coming back. Yeah. And that time he's coming back, he's, he hasn't left us, mm. like you're saying. And mm. that choice that people make to step away from him. Yeah. I, I would encourage you to look at why you stepped to yeah. him in the first place, really, because that is. That is what Jesus wants. He wants that relationship back with you. If you've stepped away or thought about it, yeah, evaluate that decision mm. because you've still got time. <clears throat> yeah. It could be tomorrow, but make whenever you listen to this, make the decision mm. sooner rather than later because he still wants to have a relationship with you. Mm. So yeah. true. Yep. Today's the day of salvation. There's, there's yeah. no point really in putting it off if you're thinking about it. Um. Yeah, because you may not. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We may not get tomorrow. No, that's that's you know that's the thing. Come um, like a thief in the night, and yep. And yep. the the argument that I hear from a lot of people are, but what if you never knew that God was real? Mm. You know. Yeah. What if you? I mean, that's a fair box. argument. Yeah. Yes, I get it. What if God never knocked on your door, but He says, "I stand at the door and knock." Yeah. But then also in Romans, um, in the first chapter of Romans, uh, verse 20, says, For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Uh, lost my, lost where I was. Can be clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship all his creation and wonderful things that he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. Mm. It's pretty clear. Yeah. It's like, look, you might not have like had a one-on-one -on -one encounter with God, mm. but you see everything that, prove, that points to him. Yeah. And uh, another great verse I've heard from uh, scripture, not scripture, a quote from C.S. Lewis 
is I believe in Christianity in the same way that I believe in the sun. Not because um, I see the sun, but by the sun, I see all things. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's awesome. And uh, it's so powerful because people say, yeah, but I haven't seen God. Mm. I tell you what, the people that have seen God in in the Bible, they die. There's a reason (laughs) we don't see God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like Moses, he is the one who gets the closest and he sees the back of God. Yeah, have right? seen the full face. And and he say and God points out, look, if you see my face, you will die. Mm-hmm. That's that's the the effect of seeing God. So why do you think God hasn't shown up? Because he loves you. <laughs> yeah. Because he's not gonna wipe you out in a second from from showing up and proving that he's here. But he that's why he sent his only son. Like mm. he wrapped himself in flesh to protect us from his eternal divine power. Yeah. Mm. To be able to walk among us. We have our whole calendar centered around Christ. Like it's it's incredibly evident. So those that are listening and don't believe that God is around, he's here. Mm. You just gotta open your eyes and, and have it have an open heart. And he stands at the door and he knocks. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast, he is knocking on that door yeah. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. throw a curveball at you guys and you tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky one, but an African tribe or a tribe in the middle of nowhere, never been, never seen a man from outside of their tribe mm. stick to themselves, do you reckon they'll be saved? It's a good one. Do you want to go first, George, or I've got an answer? Here you go, John. Okay. I believe that, um, first of all, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 points out that all things point to some sort of creator, okay? Uh, Second thing, if the person, which everybody is, understands that, they look at all creation, they're like, yep, okay, there's got to be something bigger out there, that they seek with their heart, to learn what that is, that God will show up to them in dreams and mm. visions, um, will meet them where they're at. Because the Bible says, those who diligently seek me will find me. So it's there's two kinds of people. There's those that really want to know. There's those that know that it could, that um, if, if he's real, then I might have to change. So I'll, I'll actually avoid looking for him. I know he's probably real, but if I if I do find him, then I have to change. Um, I shared this in another podcast, which was um, one of, one of our friends, Claire, who's a vegetarian. Um, we had dinner with her, and she says, well, "I said, oh, you're a vegetarian." She goes, "Yeah." I said, "Why? Why are you a vegetarian? Do you, do you mind me asking?" She goes, "No, not at all. Um, I watched this documentary once, and I said, well, don't tell me what the documentary is. I don't want to know.'" Like, I love meat. You know, I I love eating meat. And I've tried to cut back on it, but she said, I watched this documentary, and and the reason I asked her, I said, is it an ethical reason that you don't eat meat, or is it a a health reason? And she said, both. Um, Here's the documentary. And I said, look, I don't want to watch it. She said, why? I said, because if I know... The truth, I might be forced to change. Yeah. Because I can't unsee it. I can't unlearn what I learn. 
And I, I believe that this African person, there'll be, there'll be two different kinds of African people in this story. There'll be those that are diligently seeking, prepared to change with what they find because they, they wholeheartedly want to know what this creator, mm. they, they want to understand it. And God will show up and God will know if this person's going to change or not going to change. And the second person might look at all creation and go, there's a good chance that there's something bigger out there because mm. we're here mm. and we're made and everything's very finely tuned and, you know, the sun gives life to all the plants and the animals and, and water and things like that. A little bit too well done. But I'm not going to look for him because if I do, maybe I, ha- I can't have all of my pleasurely desires because there's a power outside of me that I don't want to acknowledge and obey. Yeah. And I think that's what stops a lot of people, which saddens my heart because the power that is outside that you find in Christ, the love that he surrounds you with means nothing in this world, doesn't matter how bad it gets, you've got this solid rock to stand on. Mm. And I really don't know how people do it without Christ. Mm. I am not surprised with the amount of um, depression and suicides and mental illnesses we have today because on the way the world works and if you didn't have christ yeah i would definitely be suffering in those areas as well but Mm. i lean in on christ that builds me in those areas even and and the anxiety leaves and todd's holding a waffle sign up (laughs) (laughs) saying that i'm waffling (laughs) yeah no it's all good (laughs) all right what do you think george i i (laughs) I don't know, man, because it's like, you know, there's that time when um, just after Jesus was crucified and Mm. he went down into the depths of hell Mm. and he preached the gospel to the spirits that were imprisoned. And then it said when he came up, there were a whole lot of saints Mm. that arose Mm. and, and just were walking around in Jerusalem. You're like, what? So did that include those who were unsaved before? Right, you know, Jesus was ministering on the earth. So, yeah. so this whole thing of well, if someone hasn't heard the gospel, you know, they're in Africa or somewhere, and and then they die. What happens to them? Um, I I just don't know. Mm. Yes, I really don't it's a know. Tricky one. It is a tricky one because, uh, like, you've got scriptures in Revelation. Like, um, I'll just find it here. Revelation twenty verse twelve, and it says, "And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened." And another book was opened, mm. which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So you've got, you've got. I don't know if they're all saved. There's a whole bunch of different books. Mm. I know there's the yeah. Lamb's Book of Life, which we need to have our name. You need to have an assurance our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, because that's a hundred percent guarantee. And then the Bible says these other books. Or what are these other books? Is mm. this is this the people who haven't accepted Christ. Yeah. And obviously everyone's going to stand judgment. at the judgment seat yeah. of Christ, at, you know, the judgment seat of the Lord on on that day. Mm. So what happens to them? I don't know. Because it says in uh, John 14, and he's talking to the disciples um, that he's about to go and prepare a room for 
mm. for them. And mm. um, he says, no one, he's the way, the truth, the life. <clears throat> and no one comes to the Father except through him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in that, I read that um, if you don't know Jesus, then there's no way to access the Father. Mm. Mm. But is that comes to the father as in knows the father mm. or is that comes to the father as in goes into heaven yeah mm. because yeah. you could worship like you were saying before the god that's allowing your harvest to be yeah um watered you could yeah when you're out there on a in this tribe and they're celebrating and mm. sending idols up into the sky like smoke signals and all that to create rain to worship God. Mm. So does it go back into the old times pre-Jesus where they used to have idols and stuff in place to worship yeah. this almighty being that they do not know Yeah, that gives them water and gives them life? Yeah, and that's that's where in the Old Testament God separated himself from because yeah. um, everybody was pagans back then. They had all these different gods, which you know we all know were demonic entities posing as these uh, eternal beings, um, essentially wanting to be worshipped the way that God is worshipped. Um, that was you know Satan's whole deal is he just wanted to be worshipped like God um, and. Like, right to the point, like, he was the worship leader. Mm. <laughs> you know, so he knew what it looked like to be worshipped. Um, he was the one that did it. Um, going on the uh, sort of different people groups that you're talking about, the Bible does have one little thing in John 10, uh, chapter, uh, verse 14, um, where he talks about different uh, sheep, um, different flocks of sheep. So I'll read it out. Says, I am the good shepherd, and I know without any doubt of those who are my own, and my own know me, and have a deep personal relationship with me. So I'm reading the amplified version. So I, I prefer that, but more depth to it. Um, Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my very own life, sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. I have other sheep. Besides these that are not of this fold, I must also uh, I must bring those also, and they will listen to my voice, and they will pay attention to my call, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my own life so that I may take it back. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down voluntarily. I am authorized and I have the power to lay it down and to give it up. And I am also authorized and have the power to take it back. This command I have received from my father. So, yeah, it talks about that there are other sheep not of this fold, um, which is really, really cool. So that could be the people in Africa. That can be, I mean, it can be interpreted in many different ways. Some people think it's the different denominations that that Jesus is talking about, the Catholics and um I don't know, the all the different denominations that we've got. Um, but I believe it's God shining brighter than all of the other worshipped deities. And because we as humans 
are designed, our only purpose, we've got two purposes, relationship and worship. We ought to worship and to have an an intimate relationship with Christ. Mm. That's our only two purposes. Oh, and relationship with each other, of course. Um, But, yeah, I think that that could be a a clue. Um, But again, yeah, I'm not 100% sure how other people find Christ. Although there's many stories, you can YouTube them, on people that uh, they've been in satanic um, cults and... Um, people in prison and and people that that are they're not anywhere near God, like they're not in a church, they're not in a um, revival meeting or a con- or a Hillsong conference or anything like that, and God just shows up, mm-hmm. and, and He can show up in their dreams, He can show up in a song, He can show up um, sitting on the toilet. <laughs> He's not restricted to anything, mm-hmm. so that's where I think like. And, and and then the scripture also talks about the Holy Spirit. He is the one that convicts us of our sin, that we may be made holy. So without the Holy Spirit intervention, we would actually never be saved. That rolls into the predestination thing, mm. which is another topic um, way down the road. But um, yeah, I'd say if God wants you saved and you're seeking to be saved, like... You you want you really want to know uh, what you're doing here, what your purpose is. God will show up, and He'll show you. And if you just pray with an open heart, He'll show up. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Is there no sin that can be not forgiven? Does that make sense? Is there an unforgivable sin? Mm. <laughs> Is there no sin that cannot be forgiven? <laughs> That's a joke. Is there no sin that... No, you know what I guess. Is there an unforgivable yeah, sin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So what does that mean? You tell me, George. That's an interesting one, because you know when it says <laughs> in... Someone out there, correct me if I've got this wrong. Okay, so I don't... So when it says not to to blaspheme the Lord's name... Yes. Joel, do you think that is like if you say you are a believer and a Christian and you're not living the life that you know you should be, say like living a double life, Mm. you're not carrying the presence of the Lord like you should and you're not bearing his name like you should, do you think that's blaspheming the name of the Lord? No. Because that's at a standard... uh, that's works based for one, and it's also an impossible standard to hold and to maintain. Interesting. Yeah, I don't actually agree with that. It's yeah? the first time I've actually think I said that. But um, yeah, because it's like well, because <clears throat> it has to be in every thought and action that you have. So if you know, you, you, I don't know. It's like going going out to a pub or a nightclub. Getting absolutely baked, mm-hmm. you know, um, alcohol and drugs, yeah. and then going going to church the next day, knowing, yeah, you know, you, you know, you know how you should be living before God. Yeah, it's not an unforgivable thing, no, no. But is, not, isn't that blasphemy? Well, no, because that would be under the unforgivable sin. 
if it's blaspheming the Holy Spirit, then you'll create an unforgivable sin. I don't believe that's an unforgivable sin, therefore okay. it can't be blaspheming yeah, the we're Holy talking, Spirit. We're talking the Ten Commandments. You should not yeah. take the name of the Lord in vain. You also should not lie. And that happens to pastors all over the world. Mm. The reason why... It happens to me and my wife when she's putting on <laughs> some sort of dress and there is a trick question, does this make my butt look fat? And you either say, yes, it does, and you're honest, <laughs> and you're not lying, and then you get in trouble for it, or you say, no, it doesn't, and she she says, well, you're saying other dresses make my, my butt look fat? So there's a trick question. You get in trouble either way. Either way. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because it says in Mark three twenty eight, I truly tell you, people can be forgiven, uh, can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but... Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They're mm-hmm. guilty of an internal sin. And the reason why I said this was because they were they were saying he was an un he was an impure spirit. Mm. So like yeah, like I believe you can be forgiven of these other things that we go and do. But it's when you go and say to the Holy Spirit, oh, I'm not gonna listen to you because dot dot dot. I don't so, believe, I, I don't believe that you're Mm. I think the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is the total turning away from. Yeah. And but not out of just um in temptation of something else, but you want nothing to do with him. Mm. It's not like you have gotten distracted in worldly things and you're just off maybe drinking down the road or something like that. I don't believe that is forfeiting your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about, the marriage thing. God leaves that door open, right? Um, And so that you can come back at any time. Uh, The same way that when we're in a marriage, um, if our partner leaves us and they're not a believer, we need to let them leave so that they can come back. Um, And... With with Christ, I think that if we essentially are creating the man-made divorce with Christ, we want nothing to do with you. Because mm. he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You can leave him, though. And I think that that's when the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, and you've got to, like, curse him out of your life yeah, um, in a real forceful way. Like... Uh, Christopher Hitchens did. Heaven would be hell to me. The fact that he's saying that, that's like he wants nothing to do with God, even if he's real. Yeah. And I believe he knows he was real. And that's why he was on that essential mission to make people go otherwise. He literally became an enemy of God. His mission was to prove to people to pull them away from Christ. Which is so that's alliance with the devil. Yeah, that's what I was about to yeah. say. Essentially aligning yeah. aligning himself with what the devil yeah. wants. His one mission is opposite to what Christ's mission is. Mm. So I think that is the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And um that alone. Which is a really tricky thing to do. Because um I think there's another scripture that talks about and it's in Hebrew somewhere. Um that those who have the knowledge of him and leave 
they're held at a higher judgment um, than others. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've had this conversation with Pastor Mike a little bit as well, and this was the whole subject of sin. So uh, the, the question was, is and we got on the topic by saying, is drinking a sin, is alcohol a sin? Right? I mean, Jesus' first miracle was turning water to wine. So is Jesus encouraging people to sin then? You know, he's the one that yeah. made all the wine. <laughs> Without him, they wouldn't have been able to sin. So um, the question is, is the drinking part of sin or is what drinking does to you cause you to sin? Yeah, it's the altercation of your mind and mental yeah. state. Yeah. So the question was, if I drank a whole bottle of vodka in my room, I've got no access to anybody, and I do not have any impure thoughts during my time being totally totaled. Am I sinning? I feel like you'd be passed out, to be honest. But Exactly. <laughs> but was the act of drinking all that alcohol actually a sin if I didn't do anything sinful while being intoxicated? No. That's where I stand. That's no. And where Mike stands, and I think we actually came to some common ground and, and sort of understood it a bit more, is... Um, that the Holy Spirit convicts people and says, um, for example, George, I, don't, I hope you don't mind me talking about you deciding not to drink. Um, yeah, that's fine. So George doesn't drink. No and, more alcohol for me. And the Holy Spirit convicted him of that. Yeah. Okay. Now, I haven't been convicted to not drink, but George has. If George starts drinking, it's the same as your father saying, don't do this, George, and you're going against his word. The father hasn't said that to me. Mm. So mm. for you, you will be held accountable for that mm. because it's actually an order from the Holy yeah. Spirit has convicted you to not do that. But for me, the Holy Spirit has not convicted me not to do that. And there could be lots of reasons. I could yeah. have an alcoholic mate that I've got to go sit down with for whatever reason. And he might look estranged to me if I don't have one beer with him or something like that. Who knows? Um, or vice versa, George might have to go to the alcoholic mate and, and point out that he's not having any drinks. Yeah. Um, and that there's reasons beyond our control. It's this whole orchestra of the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son orchestrating all creation mm. for his glory alone. Um, so, yes, yeah, sin isn't set necessarily subjective, but um, if George did sin, yes, it's forgiven, but he's still held at a higher standard of that sin than I am. Mm. If I got, oh, well, let's use an actual sin. If I started dropping the ball and um, gluttony, for example, eating too much, and um, I knew that I shouldn't do that because it's a sin, yet you didn't, and you and I were committing gluttony, I would get held at a higher standard for knowing that I'm sinning, mm. yet you wouldn't. For Jesus on the cross, he says, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. For they, you know, they're unaware. And um, I believe that that's where the, the subject of sin is to do with your knowledge and your maturity. So you're, if you are a Christian of 30 years and you've been in the Word with Christ and he's revealed this, this so many different secrets to you, if you start to sin in other areas compared to a baby Christian stumbling, you're obviously held at a higher standard because you should know. And yeah. the, the baby Christian 
who's just newly saved, doesn't realize that you can't go to parties and you can't sleep around, <laughs> you know, mm. hasn't fully been discipled properly. It doesn't, what, would you get angry with a toddler for drawing on the wall? Yes. Would you get even angrier for an adult totally graffitiing someone's house? <laughs> who's going to go and have to probably pay the big fine? Yeah. <laughs> They're at a, at a higher standard. <laughs> I thought that was a good analogy, actually. Yeah, it's great. That's not bad. Unless yeah. that guy's a painter, then carry on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> goes back to the whole thing Pastor Mike talks about. If you see someone stabbing someone on the chest. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. What would you call them? Yeah. A uh, murder. Well, what if I was to make the picture bigger and say that this person was performing heart surgery yeah. in a theatre? Now what would you call them? Yeah. In two seconds straight, you've gone from a murderer to a life-saving hero. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just from a bit of context um we sort of went on a tangent there and completely got off original topic of yes picking scriptures to prove salvation it's true um <laughs> <laughs> which is fine that's what we're here for this is the podcast yeah um and we all we can lift it all back to jesus really and essentially see that um jesus is here to correct us he sent mm. us the holy spirit when he died and acts when that fire came down from heaven and f- filled everyone mm. that correction day is, of pentecost yeah yeah day of pentecost that correction from the holy spirit um and everyone can receive that correction because freely given mm. that correction is what will help us to find wisdom and find understanding and what jesus is saying in the word and what's written in the bible mm. and what we need to read rather than just picking that one scripture out mm. and reading that but like okay i'm saved because yeah every knee will bow and yeah yeah god's never gonna leave me forsake me so that's fine i can i'll just i'll just go and sin away right up until jesus yeah. is about to come back well even then Mm. He still paid for them a sin, so I don't have to ever live a righteous life. So what would that cause? Does it make sense? No. Logically, that it would you would have these mm. people that can do whatever the heck they want yep. and not lose their salvation. Mm-hmm. Yet that kind of is what it is. Mm. But you still got to choose to be with Christ. So when you choose to get married, you choose to promise yourself to that one person you choose to do everything you can to make that one person's life better to honor that one person yeah so when you promise yourself to christ are you going to go sleep around are you going to dishonor that person no you're going to go out of your way to honor that person to Mm. show them that they're the crown and jewels of your life that they they mean so much to you yeah salvation is found in no one else under the heaven Mm. Yep. No one else you can get salvation from. Hundred percent. Only Jesus. Yeah. He's the only way. Oh, I'm going back to that John, fourteen scripture. Here's the only way to the Father mm. to truly understand the Father's heart, because mm. the Father is in Him, and He is in the Father, and we yeah. are in Christ. So we sit there at the left hand of God. Right left hand. or right? Yeah. I can. One of the sides. I like the right hand side. I don't know. The right hand side. Yeah, Do- the dominant side. Yeah. Next to Christ. And that's what I envision is sitting there and just having a chat to Jesus and yeah. knowing what the Father's heart is because you see the Jesus and you see the Father's heart. 100%. Mm. Yeah. You got any more thoughts, George? 
Mm, off the top of my head. Yeah. One thing that I see with salvation is uh, I've heard this a couple of times with a courthouse. So you're you're in there, you're getting convicted of your sin, and you've got this this uh, person comes in and says, "Hey, I'll pay that pi- I'll pay that fine," and you get to walk free mm. because your your fine that you were convicted of pain has now been paid, and you're you're free to go. The price has been paid, and um, that that's a legal thing that can happen in courts. Um, so that's exactly what Christ did for us. Um, and then after once you are saved, you still end up returning back to that courtroom. And now you've got this lawyer that is defending you and guiding you how to live a righteous life. Mm. And you've got the judge trying to condemn you, mm. but you've got this lawyer teaching you. He's teaching you over and over, and you're supposed to, have to go back into that courtroom less and less. And that that's the sanctification of... So there's justification, which is being saved, the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And then there's the sanctification, which is be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that is when you are in the process of, of living like a holy life. Mm. Um, be holy for I am holy. Um, and you might drop the ball, but that's why you've got this lawyer, this Holy Spirit here, to teach you how to do that. Mm. But over time, one day, lawyers become judges. That lawyer sitting next to you is going to become a judge. And yes, you have been, you do not have to pay that, that price of jail time with, um, uh, that you originally got off with, with, um, somebody coming in and paying that fine. But now the judge is going to be condemning you, and justifying you on your works that you did as a citizen mm. in his kingdom. And um, that's what their second judgment is. And we go into, as, as hell has a hierarchy system in hell, there's different layers. Heaven, there's a hierarchy system in heaven, there's different rewards. So a judge can not only condemn what you're doing, but they can reward what mm. you've been doing as well. Yeah. Um, and as a good father does... And the fact that we have now become ears of Christ, ears with Christ, um, we yeah get sanctified and redeemed, and and then there's what's the last one is justification, sanctification, and restoration. And restoration is when we get our whole new bodies, and it say the Bible talks about um, that we shed the corrupted off and we put on incorruption, and that's our body that's pure and sinless. Uh, so we don't have the same sinful lusts that our body has, um, and that's the one that Jesus has. When he is raised, he can like walk through walls. He can fly, you know. He can do lots of cool stuff, um, and we get that same body in the in the twinkling of an eye, what the Bible talks about. Mm. Very very cool. So it's like a, it's amazing how many trinities are in the Bible. That's a three stage thing, a <laughs> trinity. You know, everything... Have you guys thought of that? I'm going to waffle a little bit longer. Everything is made out of a trinity. you got space, time, yep. matter. you got length, width, height. You've got um, a solid, liquid, gas. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, your spirit, your body, your mind. Everything's made out of trinities. Mm. 
it's incredible really mm. um so yeah and we are old testament new testament one more to come <laughs> the brand new testament so that's when the second coming of christ which i personally believe is the third coming because the first coming was when he's walking around in the garden of eden with adam that's the cool. call of the day that's the first coming that's cool yeah personally yeah. <laughs> Should we wrap this one up? Let's wrap it up, eh? Hey? Um, <laughs> you want to say anything before we go? Yeah, I do. Um, but anyway, my, I just want to... <laughs> holding up the waffle now. Um, I just want to lead everyone in a bit of a salvation prayer. For if you don't know Jesus, uh, we want to just lead you in this prayer for you to say at home after this podcast. So to say, Dear Jesus, today is the day of my salvation. I lay, lay down my life and invite you in to set me free of what holds me back. Lead me in your ways and grow me in who you need me to be. Holy Spirit, come fill my heart. Correct me when I am wrong. Lead me not into temptation. Light my path and lead me in your ways. In mm. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Oh, that's so good. All right, well, come meet us on the next time on the Jesus Magnet. And that is us. Out.